Welcome to the Wasting Time podcast. This, I believe, is episode 21. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm here with Nick. How you doing, Nick? You all right? I'm good, mate. How are you? Bit hungover? Yeah, I'm, I'm slightly, slightly feeling, been a bit of a rough day. Had, had bit to, fragile. Uh, bit fragile. I was actually, I was at the the taping of, a, of another podcast, you know, one of our key rivals, of course. Um, so I went to a taping of um, Gary Lineker and Danny Baker do a podcast and they, they, they were doing a live show down in Wimbledon last night. So I went down to that with my mate Charlie, which was which was a lot of fun. But yeah, had a few beers. We'll, we'll, we'll go you easy on you then. Oh, yeah, I appreciate good mate. That, mate. Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Free of free of a hangover anyway. Free of a hangover. Good stuff. Um, so I guess last episode we had uh, was Zach Safini. That that was a lot of fun. Uh, he told some cool stories. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was good to have him on. You know, bit, still a bit blown away. About how much he's done at, at the ripe age of twenty five, but um, yeah, he's just had his kind of his his latest project kind of drop, hasn't he? In the last last couple of weeks with the simple creature stuff. Um, yeah, that's that's right. Because uh, I think we spoke to him the week before that was that was coming out. So yeah, that came out at the end of March, um, which of course for anyone who doesn't know is a band that call themselves uh, Trash Pop, and it's Mark Hoppus of Blink-182 and Alex Gaskarf of All Time No. Um, Zach, our last guest, had produced and co-wrote their EP, which which they have released. Yeah, so, so what's, what's your, what's your, what was your thoughts on that? The EP itself? Yeah. So here's the thing. Like, I, I, quite, I quite like it because a couple of episodes ago, we were we – with our guests at the time, we were talking about the first single that was released, that drug song. And I wasn't keen on it. I'm still not keen on that song, to be honest. But they then put out um, Strange Love, which is the title of the EP, and the, 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 so the title track. And I enjoyed that one a lot more. So, I've, you know, I was warming to them a bit. And then it was really cool hearing Zach talk about them. And that got me more interested for the EP. And... Yeah, I'd say like uh, so. The six songs, four of them, I quite like. I wouldn't. I'd be. I'd be exaggerating if I said I loved any of the songs, but four of them I can certainly live with. What, what about you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not really my cup of tea, if I'm honest. I don't. I, I don't mind that adrenaline track, but I. I don't know. I think you 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 come to expect when you hear of like this kind of super group that's kind of getting put together. With like Mark, Mark Hoppus, uh, and Alex from from All Time Low, like two kind of pretty big figures in in the you know the, the pop punk world. I think there's like you have a, I think you have an expectation of a certain, uh, I guess a certain style. Um, yeah, uh, and it, it yeah, it obviously wasn't wasn't that at all. Um, it wasn't the kind of the pop punk that you you, know, you think. You'd you come to expect from from that collaboration, but um, yeah, you know, I'm sure, sure, I'm sure 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 they'll do well. Um, but you've you've seen them live since there as well, so they've done yeah, a few few shows, yeah. right? Yeah, they did. They did a couple over in the states, and then they came over to play a London show last last week, uh, which I, I got a ticket for, and I went down to that. What was the, what was it, the, it was, what was the cost of the ticket? Just out of interest, uh, it was twenty pounds. Oh, that's that's pretty good. 
yeah that's you know that's less than you'd pay to see either of those guys in their main bands for sure and the venue was really cool it was um it was like a basement venue in hackney that i'd never been to before it wasn't that big must have been about I don't know about 500 people there or something maybe maybe a bit less um and yeah it was it was they were they were clearly really enjoying themselves and you kind of you fed off that a little bit uh yeah it was fun it was fun uh they played for about 45 minutes because obviously they've only got six songs they've released played a, a, a depeche mode cover and another unreleased song what, and it what, was weird because like it's just what, on, depe- what, what depeche mode track did they do do you know oh, i can't remember yeah I'm, I'm not i'm not i'm not too knowledgeable on my depeche mode so <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it, <laughs> i'm sure if, if you go if you go on um set list or, or google set list you'll find it on that website i'm sure um but yeah, yeah, it was all right, man. Like, so as I said, it was it was only a forty five minute set. To be honest, you wouldn't really have wanted you know any more because you kind of you get the idea, and it's like yeah, forty five minutes is fine because and it is literally just the two of them. It's like so it's with programmed drums and mm. samples and stuff. Um, but like I said, I said to my mate who I went with, uh, we, well, we were just kind of agreeing that so. Like you know, they were they were quite good, but like imagine if you saw them op- opening for someone like 1975 or Bleachers, and and you didn't know who they were, you would you would just think at best, are oh, they all right? You know what I mean? It's yeah. only because you, you of go who, and, who they are and stuff. That, you'd you'd have no problem go away, going away at the bar to get a pint <laughs> during during the set. Oh. If I'm on, if I'm honest, yeah, and you'd be thinking, why why is this guy with the green hair playing with his dad? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that in an affectionate way because because uh, I am a fan of both of them. What kind of cr- what kind of crowd was it then? Was it was it a kind of a typical kind of blink all time low kind of crowd or? Yeah, I suppose I suppose so. I guess you kind of because because the EP was brought out so close to the show. I guess people had already got their tickets and didn't have a chance to actually hear <laughs> much of that stuff. So totally and and because it was. Um... A small venue. It was, it was one of those things like tickets go on sale at nine a.m. on this date, and you had to log in at that precise time to have a chance of getting one. Yeah, um, like you said, it's it's pretty cool to see them in in a venue like that. Kind of regardless yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I, it was really cool to to be be part of that. So yeah, good, cool. Well, it's. I mean, it sounded like Zach. Zach was really kind of going on to some some pretty hu- huge things after that as well. So, uh, we'll we'll see what he's see what he's got got up the sleeve. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I um I got round to checking out that that teenage bottle rocket record eventually. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I kind of got yeah get where you're coming from. I think it, it okay. It's 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 got that classic teenage bottle rocket sound, but. Um, yeah. Just lyrically, it's kind of just a bit, bit flat, really. I just, yeah, it's a bit weird like that. There's a, there's a song about I want to be a dog or something. So yeah, bit of yeah, a, bit of a I mean, random one. I know. What is it supposed to be funny? But it's it's not really that funny, is it? You know. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a shame, but. But yeah, so you're not going to violently disagree with me about about that one then. Um, is there anything else you've any other new music that you've checked out recently? Uh, as well, I saw Newfound Glory brought out another 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 track from their uh, Screen to Stereo record. That this this is this is me song. 
Oh, from from the Greatest Showman. Yeah, yeah. 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 What, um, <laughs> did did you like that song anyway? Yeah, I I love that song. Like the original. Yeah. I love the soundtrack oh, as well. Yeah, I love the film as okay. well. Yeah. What about you? what about you? I haven't seen the film. I actually started watching it online the other night. Um, you started with my girlfriend and, and like, finished. <laughs> yeah. No, but like we we just we. We only had like half an hour spare, so we watched a bit of it. And uh, yeah, we were really enjoying it. So we will well, pick it up again when we get to the with that film, though. It's you, you, you kind of, it's either you love it or you fucking hate it. Um, I don't think you're kind of, <laughs> you're in the middle. And the people who hate it get, right. get, get through about 10 minutes of it and have to actually switch it off. That That's my experience from speaking to people. So the fact that you got through it. Oh, all, I see. The fact that you got through it, yeah, good, good oh, no. that's a good sign. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. We t- we absolutely enjoyed what we saw. I mean, compare that. I I don't want to turn this into a film review podcast, but if I compare that to recently trying to watch La La Land, which I definitely couldn't get through ten minutes of, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm not not really into that one. But yeah, it's a good, it's a good, good fun, fun track. Um, yeah, they 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 do a decent enough job of it, don't they? Yeah. They, I mean, those those screen to stereo albums are always 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 a lot of fun, aren't they? Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, I really want. I'm really looking forward to hearing their version of that Counting Crows song from Shrek. <laughs> yeah, the accidentally love one. <laughs> yeah, I love. I love that song anyway. So uh, see, see how that turns out. Yeah. Are you gonna gonna yeah, catch mate. them at Slam? Are you gonna catch them at Slam Dunk? I should imagine so. Yeah, I, I I can't see if anyone on the other stages who I like more who who I would pick over them in the clash. What about yourself? Oh, well, well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, they're definitely pretty high on my list. But I wonder, wonder what if they'll how much they'll actually do from from the screen to stereo stuff because yeah, I'd, it's a bit bit of a weird one, isn't it? Not exactly the yeah. fest, festival friendly songs, but but yeah, we'll see. They've got it'll be interesting, yeah, because it will be out by then. So yeah, yeah. they've got they've got plenty to mix it up with. I'm sure. Yeah. I did just see this afternoon. I don't know if you've seen it. Morrissey, Morrissey bringing out a a cover with Billy Joe Armstrong. Have you seen that? I did. No, I did not see that. What What are they covering? (laughs) So it's a song. I forgot what the song's called now. Um, Wedding Bell Blues. It's called. It's by like a like an old '60s like pop R&B solely kind of type band called Fifth Dimension. But All right, yeah. I, <laughs> I had a listen, and it, I mean, it's basically just a basically a, a Morrissey Morrissey cover, and it, right, it, it, okay. it made me wonder, like, how it all went down. Did like Morrissey like reach out to Billy Joe Armstrong and be like, "Yeah, let's collaborate, let's do something together," and got him into the studio? I mean, basically, it it, it sounds pretty much like Billy Joe Armstrong's just been brought in to do backing vocals. So I wonder if that, right, I wonder yeah. if Morrissey being Morrissey's just kind of led him into the studio on false pretenses and just, yeah, being, being the star of the show and just giving him, giving him back and vocals <laughs> or something. Yeah, it is quite, it's, yeah, maybe. it's a nice cover, but yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a, yeah, you wouldn't. I'll have a listen, mate. Yeah. You would, you would know, you would have no idea Billy Joe Armstrong was on it really by, by listening to it. Oh, right. Okay. Um, should, should we get into who we have on? this episode yeah man sounds good um i'll let you you do the interesting as you're uh, a big fan of this this guy and this band so yeah go for it yeah i'm a bit of a long time fan of show off they they're a pop punk band from chicago uh been active on and off for the last 20 plus years um 
they were the first band John Feldman ever recorded. And, you know, they, they, they were kind of on Maverick records at the time and they were a big part of that scene. Um, so, so I reached out to, to Chris Messer, who, who's their singer, um, to see if he'd have a chat with us. And he was very gracious and did. And so here's our chat with, with, with Chris Messer. Okay, so we should now be joined by Mr. Chris Messer. Are you there, Chris? What is going on, Chris and Nick? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, this is this is particularly exciting for me because I've uh, I've mentioned Show Off on this podcast a couple of times over the years, and uh, and uh, like whether it's like a release you guys have been doing at the time or whatever, and uh, and and I think it's been mainly you and I think maybe Dave from your band have either like like made comments on the podcast and stuff said really nice things. So it, it's, it's super cool to have you actually on the podcast now, you know, so what, what, what no, Chris is trying, what, what Chris is trying to tell you is that he's a massive fanboy, basically. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing cool. wrong well, with that. No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, I guess, I, I guess to kick things off, I, I, I guess we basically like to get, get into kind of how it all started for you, kind of where you grew up kind of how you got into music. Um, yeah, so kind of take us back to, to the start, I guess, a little bit. Sure, yeah, let's see. So, you know, when I was two years old um, is when I started singing. And, oh, wow. um, yeah, well, my dad was a youth pastor at like a Baptist church. It was crazy. It was like hyper, um, how do you put it kindly? Uh <laughs> hyper um religious like very very strict um wow okay religious background like we we weren't allowed to have a tv um though we did <laughs> so when the preacher came over we hit it um <clears throat> excuse me but um yeah i started uh my my mom always tells me stories of when we're in church we were in church the choir would start singing and i would just scream and scream until she let me down and then i would like so i guess i must have been under two i would crawl up to the stage and just start yelling i guess it was kind of screaming yeah uh, and sort of singing but um yeah i started singing do you know from that point and um you know got into punk music and man probably when i was 12 or something you know just like the older school stuff ramones and etc sex pistols um and started listening to that a lot when i was a kid and then um you know that's i guess that's kind of where it took me you know it took me to starting to sing in a band i was always kind of the nerd in school um like never the cool kid and so it was uh a good way for me to meet people and kind of get out there and i don't know it was, it was an exciting life, I can tell you that. So, was it sort of Chicago suburbs you grew up? Yeah, so it's kind of weird. Like my, so my dad worked um, in Cicero, which is just outside of Chicago. Um, it was a rough neighborhood. Like I, we left there when I was about twelve, but he had lost his job. Um, you know, in the eighties, I guess back then. A lot of the auto manufacturers, which is what my dad worked for, were moving all their plants to like Mexico and 
you know, more recently, I guess it's more uh, Korea to build cheaper parts and whatever. And so my dad's job was gone and he was on strike and uh, the neighborhood was rough. You know, I like some of my sisters. Um, I have so I have a huge family. I've got um, four sisters and three brothers. Yeah, that's that is, <laughs> that is pretty big. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, my. A lot of my well, a couple of my sisters were in gangs and uh, there are a lot of a lot of gang activity happened in the area that I grew up in. It's like I said, it was a pretty rough neighborhood before I was 12 years old. I was not involved in myself, but I was in, in between two people shooting at each other. Like before I was 12 oh, years old, <laughs> my oh, sister wow. was drugged out of school and beaten with bats. Um, she ended up beating them up anyway, but. She's a tough, but, <laughs> but uh, wow. yeah, it was a crazy neighborhood. But anyway, I lived in Cicero and um, I started getting into, I guess, really like metal music when I was like 11 and 12, like Iron Maiden. And I mean, even though my parents were very religious, I guess they just didn't know what I was listening to. But right. um, okay, yeah, they were like Kenny Rogers and, like, you know, nothing wrong with Kenny Rogers, but that's basically what they were into. And, um, yeah. And I ended up moving from, um, Cicero to Tennessee and in Tennessee, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it's like a tiny little town. It was crazy for me. <clears throat> um, I'd never been around so many white people in my life. So it was really interesting. Um, you know, Cicero is predominantly Hispanic. It's like, way 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 hispanic like probably i mean i knew just for an example like i knew all the white people that lived in my neighborhood <laughs> like it was so it was so, there's probably like 10 in my whole school maybe 15 out of like 600 kids um so that was crazy living in tennessee but when i went to tennessee is when i started getting really into punk music like listening to all those bands like you know like i listened before ramones and sex pistols and a lot of the older school stiff little fingers and <clears throat> stuff like that um and even started my first punk band there <laughs> you started your first punk band in tennessee i did yeah when i was i uh, think 14 okay okay yeah <laughs> called what, sour what was it Sour grapes, okay. Yeah, after the, uh, oh man, now I'm blanking on who it's from. I know it's an old school punk band. People are going to vilify me for it. <laughs> I want to say it's the Descendants. Okay. Yeah, but uh, so I started my first punk band there, then moved to back to Illinois again because of my dad's job. They moved him. <laughs> and then, um, Started a band called AYA, which is Andy's Yellow Alligator in the suburbs of Chicago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What age yeah. are you at this point? Um, I was probably 15, 16, okay. I think 16 okay. at the time we started. And then um, from that point, like once I was out of AYA, I had built kind of a, or, you know, I socialized a lot. So I knew a lot of mm -hmm. the people in the music scene and a couple guys from, you know, another band, they were called the Brock Myers. Uh, they happened to have Dan Cassidy, the drummer from Show mm -hmm. Off. <laughs> and um, 
uh, Graham, uh, Jordan, who was an original member of Show Off, he was in that band too. Okay. And um, yeah, it was interesting. They they approached me and um, we were like, let's start like, a, I was like, dude, I've always wanted to do like a 50s band, but like mo- all modern stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, like the uh, general feeling of like you know, the Beatles and stuff in uh, mm-hmm. the UK. I don't know if you guys hate them because they're from there or whatever, because sometimes <laughs> people do. But um, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I hate them, would you, Nick? No, no they're pretty big team over here. <laughs> yeah. I would figure it, you know. Yeah. I mean, I did all the fanboy stuff when we went over to the UK. I was in a band called The Get Go for a little bit. Yeah, and- yeah. We, we we both saw you on that tour. We'll, we'll uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get yeah. into that. Later we'll, on. We'll, yeah, yeah, hey, we'll hey. come to that. Yeah, yeah. So- I got to go to uh, Abbey Road and all that stuff there. Oh, nice. And that that was exciting for me, you know. <clears throat> um, but yeah, that's kind of how started. I guess the show off journey started from there. Is just kind of friends of friends and kind of socializing in that kind of in that in that world of punk bands right yeah you know we meant to be a 50s band uh, or 50s sounding almost beach boys ish band but you know the stuff i wrote was always pop punk so <laughs> of course, it turned out yeah. pop punk did not turn out 50s really um so was it around this time i don't know if this is true or not but I did, i'm sure i read about you once like were, were you in the early stages of fallout boy as well at, at this kind of time <laughs> what's, what's the deal yeah. with that um, yeah, so I, I've uh, obviously smoked too many cigarettes. I keep coughing. Um, Don't worry about it. I, yeah, it was right after Show Off, actually. Um, really? So Show Off ended, and the girlfriend that I was with at the time uh, said, hey, I have these friends who have a band. And uh, yeah, and she was like, you know, you should try out for the band or whatever and i was like ah what's the band called and she told me and i didn't know them and uh yeah i ended up going there and then trying out and then we kept kind of playing together and you know they were like well we want you to do like for you to sing half the songs you know and then he'll sing half the songs uh and i was like ah that's not really <laughs> my style you know oh wow <laughs> um yeah, I was playing. I think I was playing guitar and singing. Okay. So when when did <laughs> when did Show Off split split up the first time? Then. Yeah, it was two thousand and two. Okay. Um, we ended up splitting up, but that's a crazy story in itself. Have you ever heard about that? I've heard bits of it. Um, I guess should, Nick, should we come to that afterwards and keep this a bit yeah, more chronological? I, then. Yeah, I guess we wanted to kind of get into bit about you know your your you know that first full length um that you guys did with with john and how, how you you know came up you know came around to kind of working with john because that that was his first first kind of full production right yeah that was his <clears throat> as far as i know it was the first um album he ever produced um maybe barring you know um producing some goldfinger stuff but it was his first real um album that he'd produced and so um yeah what ended up happening was um so since you know i was networking with these guys like you know just networking finding these uh members they were in like a pretty decent sized band um and then aya my band before show off was also a pretty decent sized band and so when we started playing shows you know we got a lot of um offers 
from promoters because they knew that we could draw and that we, you know, had followings from our previous bands. And so we were actually offered the Goldfinger show um, by, uh, I'm trying to think of his name, I guess it doesn't matter, but it was a promoter in the Chicago area at the time. And um, he was like, hey, Goldfinger's coming through. Do you guys want to play a show with them? And we're like, yeah, of course we do. You know, like who wouldn't? <clears throat> and uh, we couldn't help ourselves. We knew the history. So we were like, oh, man, you know, Real Big Fish played with Goldfinger and then they asked them out on tour. Wouldn't that be amazing? And uh, <clears throat> we were like, yeah, let's do it. So we played the show and I ended up giving our, we had a cassette tape at the time, if that's dating me. Um, they're back in fashion, right? Um, yeah, apparently yeah, so. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I gave it to um, this guy, Dave, who was um, a roadie for Goldfinger. Uh, who I'm friends with to this day, like he's a good dude. And yeah. And he was like, Hey John, like you should really check these guys out. Cause he actually saw our show and the rest of Goldfinger, I think were probably in their tour bus or something. And he was like, you should check these guys out. And so he ended up listening to it. <laughs> and, um, while we were doing a tour, there was a band. I don't know if you've ever heard of the band called Pez. Uh, yeah, it sounds <laughs> Rings about, it, yeah. it rings a bell. It's an older band, uh, yeah, but they're know, from don't... Memphis, Tennessee, yeah. and they're like a pop punk band. Okay. Sort of a pop. They're more of a punk yeah. band than a pop punk band. But anyway, um, right. as the story goes, um, we were on the road, and then um, we got a, and this also dates me, we got a message on Graham's answering machine at home, because he had a home phone and, and, a, and an answering machine. Yeah, and his yeah. mom was like, oh, you got this message, let me play it. So she played it and put the phone to the speaker, you know, and we were all listening to it. And it was like, uh, hey, buddy, this is John from the band Goldfinger. You know, we played a show together not that long ago. Just wanted to see if you guys would be interested in going out with us for a couple shows. And we were like, oh, my God, you know, like freaking out. <laughs> and uh, we we're like, you know, Real Big Fish, they got asked out on tour and then they went on tour and they got a record deal, you know. And we were like, maybe that'll happen with us. And so <laughs> we ended up going on the tour. And the very first show, I remember there was a ska band playing. It was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. The ska band was playing. And, um, you know, they were they were local. And it was, uh, you know, the 90s. So there's lots of not terrific bands out. And they were probably newish. So they were a little bit sloppy. And we were thinking, oh, man, you know, these kids are really digging this stuff. And if that's the case, then that's pretty awesome. Uh, maybe they'll like us, you know, because we were so nervous. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> right, okay. that was crazy. We started playing and I look over and John Feldman sitting on the side of the stage. And I'm like, oh, shit, man. Can I say shit? Yeah, oh, okay. of course. Yeah. That's the way. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, he was just sitting on the side of the stage. And, and I was like, oh, man, like this is a lot of pressure, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. From the first note, like kids were running up the wall and like, it was crazy. Oh, yeah, okay. it was such a good okay. show. And, and then you kind of hit your stride straight away. Yeah. Right? It was amazing. And like, um, you know, John was sitting there and you could see when the kids started reacting, he was like, Oh, maybe they have something, you know? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, 
after the show, we walked up, started walking off stage, and John walked up to me and was like, I'm getting you guys a record deal. I'm going to do this and this. And we we're like, uh, holy crap. So we were super excited about that. And that's kind of how we ended up, Yeah, you know, short story long. That's how we ended up working with uh, John. And um, so, yeah, he produced. So I guess into, obviously he's gone on to like do some, <clears throat> yeah, do you record the who's who now. Yeah, really, everybody. Everybody. Of world. Yeah. So, I mean, to obviously, obviously a massive privilege for you to kind of be part of his his early kind of journey in production what i mean what was he like in in the kind of in your you know in that studio kind of recording process yeah john is a really intense guy and so he works you know with a lot of intensity and uh you know i could appreciate that like especially as i'm getting older like you want to get stuff done so um i i feel like John is, I've always thought of him as kind of like the, uh, you know, a big brother for me, pretty much. You know, so like, when we started touring, like, you know, I was learning everything from him. I was, anything that I could think of that I needed to get done, like, I was learning it by watching him do it, or, you know, figuring it out. Like, I mean, I we'd have been playing at that point, probably for like a couple of years or maybe a year and a half or something by the time we started like really, you know, getting into the uh, recording process. But um, he really taught us like a million things. I mean, there's no way around it. His, his style of um, producing, uh, I felt like was <clears throat> different because it was the first time I was ever recording anything you know that was super serious like you know the everything that was you know prior to that for us was like recording with friends you know and um we worked with an engineer uh this guy john emerson who was awesome he was like this 65 year old guy who was an electrical engineer who like just came to every punk show and worked sound for free and just did it for the love of music. And it was amazing working with him and getting that um, experience. And then having that experience with John was just like eye opening. You know, it's like you, you see how much work is going into it. And, you know, he gives us all these ideas. And uh, he introduced us actually to listen, not introduce us to the person, but introduced us to listening to Elvis Costello, which you probably hear a lot of influence okay. on that. Record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's something that's always been said about your band about, Oh, they're kind of like pop punk with Elvis Costello singing. So yeah, that's know, a the, honor. To the influence that. definitely wow. comes through, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard anyone say that, um, but I will take <laughs> it because that's amazing. Uh, I'm a huge Elvis Costello fan. I actually saw him in an airport once and I, you know, I've learned that you just end up, I don't want to be disappointed in the people I meet. So like, I didn't even say anything. You didn't. You didn't go up. I didn't want. To. So my <laughs> my old next door neighbor growing up actually. So his dad was from Liverpool, and Elvis Costello was like his best friend oh. from the age of like seven to. I mean, they're still friends now, and like, and I, you know, I've I've never met him myself, but this this I can vouch that his best friend says he's just the nicest guy in the world. So see, that's that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Like I've had so many experiences yeah. meeting people who were like famous or even semi quasi famous and they're just <laughs> not cool people you know right. um so that's 
that's awesome to hear that he's a nice guy. So if you yeah, uh, no, tell your yeah. friend to tell his dad that uh, <laughs> let Elvis know I love him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass on the message. Well, thank you. <laughs> So, so that, the, so this the self-titled. Um, it'd be interesting to know, wouldn't it? Like, um, you, you know, obviously, Feldman, as Nick was saying, records everything now. I wonder what, I wonder what his, what it's like now doing a record with Feldman compared to what it was like back then, because because this was like twenty years ago, wasn't it? Like, right. How, how how's how's that? How do you feel about that album when you listen back to it now? Like, do you think has it stood up for you, or, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's some of it you think aged. I mean, you know, I think everything. Well, I guess that's not so true. I was actually listening to, um, God, there was something. Uh, I was listening to a record from this. I think it was a Beach Boys record, and I was listening to it from the '60s, and I was just like, "Holy crap! Like that? <laughs> this is really good. Like it sounds really good." Like we, we keep thinking the processes are getting better. And honestly, I don't think that's true. I think it's, <laughs> I think they're like getting easier and cheaper, but better, no chance. Like, yeah, some of that stuff is just like, I mean, oh, and I was listening to the uh, Queen album the other day um, and I was listening to that production value and I was like, good God, like nothing that we've done is better than this stuff. It's just, uh, you know, it's easier to do and you have more tools at your disposal, but no chance. you know. But yeah, I think his, even now when I listen to that record, like it's hard for me because for me, when I listen to the record, it brings memories back of when we recorded it. So, oh yeah, of course. course, It's a nostalgic thing, you know, it's probably like for, for you as a fan of the band, you know, you probably listen to it and it brings you to some point that you used to listen to it. And we're alive. Yeah, it, that's it, it, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, as as the listener, it's going to, you know, whatever whatever the music is, it's going to take you back to when you first got into that that bit of that. So, like, I, you know, I was actually listening, re-listening to some of that today, and it was taking me back to. It must have been about, I think it was about two thousand and one when I when I first listened to that album. So a couple of years after it oh. came out, so it was t- but it was taking me back to my life then, like when I for you know. Like, going to university and all that kind of stuff but properly transporting me back to that yeah time. yeah I think that music has a great way of doing that i think it's uh it's why oh, we sure. it's why we yeah. love it so much right it's like it takes you to the point where you're like you remember like this is you, it, i don't even know what it, how it does it but it's almost like you know they say smell is supposed to trigger memories more than any other thing but yeah. i think music yeah. even more oh, than I'll, smell because it really brings you to yeah yeah i agree i mean they're the two things but yeah i think there's an argument that music maybe maybe tops it were you going to say something nick sorry yeah i just wanted to kind of are you talk about trigger memories or kind of getting to hear about any memories that may have been triggered of of kind of tours around that time you know so you released that album on on maverick records right right? yeah um i mean did you did you kind of was it kind of out on the road straight from there and lots of shows or You know, uh, you know, we were doing yeah. Tours. And who would you have been touring with at this time? Sorry, Chris. Hmm. Um, you know, I think we we did a lot of touring with Goldfinger because you know they he had a vested interest in us doing stuff. You know, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and you know we were friends, so it made sense to do it. Um, but. We did a lot of touring with, I know we did tour, when the album came out, we did tours with 
um, Citizen King, if you remember that band. Yeah. yeah. And um, the Hippos, the Bloodhound Gang, were right right around in that time era. Everclear was around in that time Mm -hmm. era. Oh, oh yeah, just real quick on on them. Um, You know, you don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, but I only bring it up because I feel like I listened to a podcast that had you and a couple of bandmates on a couple of years ago. I think it was a local, a local Chicago yeah, podcast. Yeah, I remember it. I, I seem to remember, you, yeah, you said a couple of things about Everclear, which didn't, they didn't sound like the nicest people in the world. If I remember that right? Yeah, you know, I feel like everyone in that band was pretty cool, except for Art Alexis, their singer. That was it. Yeah, that was <laughs> well, it. I'll take it back. Their percussionist, <laughs> whoever was out with us, was a, a total cunt. So... well that guy i don't know if you i don't know how much you heard or even what we said i don't really remember it exactly but what i do remember is um we played a show with them we were doing the coca-cola tour like yiddick giddick tour it was you take off a coke cap it was probably just here in the states but you'd get a code and then you type it in you go to a free show so we were playing this show with everclear and citizen king and um I remember uh, Art was on the stage and somebody threw a bottle, like a plastic bottle, right? I'm used to punk shows. I'm used to being a pop punk guy who played punk rock shows, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty used to like, you know, glass bottles. I had, I've had glass bottles thrown at me. I've been shot with BB guns at shows where there were like, you know, skinhead bands and shit. And, and, uh, you know, I was just flicking cigarettes at me. So I'm just like, dude, you're getting like a, <coughs> a plastic bottle thrown at you, like get over it. But he didn't, he was like, we're not playing until someone, you know, fesses up to this. <coughs> and I was like, this is ridiculous. So a bunch of people raised their hand and, um, they, for whatever reason, they picked one person out of the crowd. It just happened to be this. She was probably like 14 or 15 years old, this girl. And she goes up to the stage and uh, people start booing her. And I'm just like, this tiny girl, like, why, why would you do that? And she trips and falls, lands on her knee. And I, I remember the percussionist comes out. And he, and this is why he's a cunt, because he comes out and he kicks her in the chest. Like in front of 2,000 people, he kicks this 14 or 15-year-old girl in the chest. <clears throat> now, from what I read, he went to jail. And then Art walks over to this girl who's crying, 14-year-old, 15-year-old girl, favorite band in the world, right? Everclear. I mean, I don't know how that's possible, but okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Everclear, yeah. favorite band in the world. And he starts dumping water and beer on this girl in front of 2,000 people. And he's dumping this on this girl. And I'm like, dude, you've got daughters. I cannot believe that you would be doing this to this girl. And especially that this crowd is cheering for it. It was like that like mob mentality, you know? Yeah, he's yeah. Dumping this on her and he's calling her like a fat whore and a slut. And like, you can't own my show. This is my show or whatever. And um, they have to end up. She gets pulled off the stage after that you know, with the crowd cheering, she's freaking out and injured from getting kicked in the chest, has to go into a 
an ambulance. And I remember going downstairs and I, I was just shocked. I was like, I cannot believe that they would do that. And that like security wouldn't like beat the ever loving crap out of them for doing it. You know, just to, even if it's just to protect the venue or something, I don't know, but I was, I couldn't believe it. So like I, we went downstairs, there's a huge tray of like apples and oranges and bananas and all, you know, broccoli and stuff. We just took the tray up and just kept chucking stuff at art from Everclear. We're <laughs> chucking like an apple and it just bounces off his head. And he like looks over and he like kind of laughs and's like, oh, and we're like flipping him off and stuff. And he's just not getting it. But we end up leaving the venue. And then I guess that's when the, um, <clears throat> the uh, percussionist like runs on to the bus and tells our guitar tech, He's like, yeah, like, uh, you know, hey, blah, blah. So he was saying something, but our guitar tech didn't realize who he was. And he was like, man, did you hear about that, like, you know, fucking percussion guy, like kicksacker. And he's like, oh, that was me, man. He was like, wow, you're a douchebag, you know? <clears throat> and the guy was like, oh, the cops are coming, man. Just tell him I'm not in here, okay? And he's like, nope, I'm going to go out there right now and tell him you are in here. <laughs> <laughs> so he went out of the, the bus and miraculously somehow um pool sticks got broke or something and we were off the yiddick giddick tour the next day <laughs> wow yeah intense i was like man yeah, somebody should have been someone else should have been thrown off that door hey right that's injustice for you right yeah but you know that's life i mean so many times it's where like people who they have money or fame and they just get off no matter what they do, it doesn't make any difference what they do. They just, they get to do it. And actually it was even on MTV news. It was crazy. It was on MTV news. Yeah. And it said art from Everclear, you know, um, being charged or something like that, you know, like he's going to be charged for, um, this assault and it described the whole thing. And it was only up for a day, the next day. So his PR firm and label did a number the next day it was up on their site. Um, Art Alexis producing two movies, which never happened. Uh, he wasn't pr producing any movie, as far as I know, but it said uh, that's what he was doing, and it totally took all the sting away. He got off, I think, with nothing. I don't think anything happened to him, which is insane. But yeah, what a scumbag! Fuck Everclear. Yeah, absolutely. And now I hear on like, uh, you know, I. <laughs> I got a car, like a new car, and uh, it came with like Sirius Satellite. Uh, I wouldn't purchase Sirius Satellite myself, um, but it was on there for free, and I liked it. I liked it. And uh, but I saw he has he has his own radio show now. <laughs> Does he? Okay. Yeah, and it's about '90s music, and I was like, man, I should call up, and but they'd edit it out. Like they would just be like, nah, yeah. we're not, not going to let it happen. But what a jerk, <laughs> man! That guy. I can't. I could not believe that he was able to get away with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're not going to edit your Everclear story out of this podcast anyway, <laughs> mate. So it, that will that will remain. I feel like I'm talking too much. Am I talking too much? No, no, it's good. That's man. what you're here for. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. I drank like ten monsters right before I called. Oh, did you? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't even drink caffeine. I'm just like. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was excited to talk to you guys. <laughs>
let's let's jump to to 2002 then obviously we know you were actually listening to the wish you were her album a bootleg version of it <laughs> no no it's it's not actually bootleg because you got i remember you guys had it up on your band camp a few years ago so i i'd been wanting to hear it for a long time so i i so downloaded it, was legit. it we've that. listened to it it's yeah. legit yeah <laughs> oh cool yeah so I guess t- t- tell us about you know kind of that album and how that kind of co- coincided with 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 I guess the split and that really not yeah you know, releasing so yeah crazy story um, and it ties in with like a major event so basically what happens is we are set to record now what we wanted to do you guys know the band Saves the Day of course oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I love Saves the Day. I loved Through Being Cool. It was like one of my favorite albums. And I can't remember the name of the guy who produced it, but we wanted him to produce the new show-off record, even though he wasn't like a, a big uh, producer or anything, I guess at the time. That's what we were told. He's not a big producer, you know? <clears throat> um, so they wanted a big producer, and we ended up landing a great producer anyway. But we ended up with... Um, so we we kind of had like a falling out with John with from Goldfinger, okay, <clears throat> and it was mainly because, um, you know, every time we'd be we we're young kids to begin with, but like yeah, when it came to, you know to like anything you'd hear on the radio, it was like John Feldman's project, you know, or something to do with John, where we're like, well, we're our own band too, you know, like I did write songs. And uh, so you knew you get that like weirdness and like really just, I mean, if you're, if I'm being totally honest, I think it's just like stupid pride of like, you want to be whatever. And, you know, you want to have some recognition and, um, you know, people like being recognized for their work or whatever, but uh, really unnecessary stuff. And we ended up having that fallout with John, John, and I'm sure, you know, to me now, when I'm older, I think rightfully so, was upset that we weren't using him for the new record and didn't want to. And, you know, we're arguing about points and just stupid, you know, BS. But um, so he ended up, you know, basically. Um, we didn't really even talk much anymore after that. Um, Has that ever yeah, been like resolved at all since or is that just kind of how it was? No, it's not there? resolved. Yeah, it's not resolved. Uh, I mean, I have a great deal of respect for John, and okay. and I, you know, I doubt that in his busy life schedule that he has any real need to like, you know, resolve issues with right, people right. like with me. I mean, that's it's not significant enough for him to have to do that. And honestly, it was, you know, like I said, if you're being honest, I think it was our fault, not his. And so I don't really. I don't fault him for not really wanting to. And and it's okay with me. I don't, it doesn't bother me or whatever. Like, I mean, it bothers me to to the extent that, you know, you had a friend you felt was close, but, um, and I guess in that way it would bother me, but in the end, like it is what it is. So, yeah, man. Um, but anyway, we used, um, Mark, um, Trombino, was it? Yeah. Mark Trombino. Yeah. I was like blanking on his name. Like I, we talked to him every now and then still. But uh yeah, we used Mark Trombino for the record. Okay. And uh he's done some big great... he he did some big 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 records before, like around that time, right? He did, yeah. He did Dude Ranch. Exactly, yeah. Um, like huge record, you know. He did um Jimmy World. Yeah, yeah. 
So he did some, you know, sizable um, recordings. And so we ended up recording with him. And uh, he was great. We had a great experience. And, um, you know, we end up having this album, but we're like, you know, man, we're, we were on Maverick. And at the time when we were on Maverick, like the big bands at that time were like Limp Biscuit and like, uh, and that's dating myself too, but oh well. Um, Limp Biscuit and like Kid Rock and stuff like that. But it was, it was a lot, and Corn too, I guess, at that time. But it was a lot of like heavier stuff, you know? And um, we felt a little bit like Maverick wasn't pushing the right songs. Not that they, they were any um, obstacle to our fame or something, but we just felt like, well, they weren't pushing the songs that we really want to be pushed. And I think they have a different vision for the, the band than we have for ourselves. Okay. So <clears throat> we're like, uh, we, get, we ended up getting a new manager who lived in New York City. and. Um, we were like, you know what? Let's just uh, shop this record. We actually were talking to Drive Through Records about doing the record. With oh wow! And, and that was almost that would be their, their prime as well, I suppose, two thousand and two. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we were good friends with Richard and Stephanie from Drive Through. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, actually, um, just on a side note, there, Richard and Stephanie. Um, I actually even spoke to him. Like, I I know this isn't part of that the chronological order, but when I started dodgeball records, my oh yeah, yeah, record yeah. label, um, we actually, or I actually <laughs> spoke with Richard and Stephanie about the possibility of purchasing the name drive through records to restart. Really? Drive through. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It didn't happen. But anyway, that's just a, a little caveat oh. there. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> And then, uh, so yeah, we record the record and then we talked drive through and they're like tentative because they're like, you know, well, we have people who are, you know, we're listening to our fans and some of the fans are like, they're on a major label. They shouldn't be on drive through. And which I thought was, you know, it's smart on their part. You need to know your base. But at the same time, we were like, come on, man. Like. You know, like we, I feel like we'll work well together and we like your label. We've been on tour with a hundred million of their bands, you know, and, um, they did decide to, at, I think at one point they did decide that they wanted to work, um, with us and do the record. But at that point it was like already crazy. So first what we wanted to try to do was get on a new, um, bigger label, right? Like major label. Cause we felt like the smaller ones may have like weirdness about our being on a major before and whatever. And so we shop started shopping the record and our manager at the time is like, all right, we're going to book this show in New York city and we're going to have the showcase. So we booked the show and it's for, I want to say it was the 12th of September. And I woke up in the morning getting ready to leave. Um, we were going to drive that night, stay the night, and then play the show in the morning. And September 11th happened, which is crazy, you know? In yeah. New York, like two blocks from the venue we were supposed to play. Yeah. So while yeah. it's, you know, obviously way worse uh, for the people who were involved in it, it was a crazy point 
in time for show off because we were expecting to have this showcase and switch labels, but no labels were coming. Obviously at that point is the day. Exactly. Good reason not to. Um, And so we're like, you know what? Like, obviously this is happening. No one's signing anyone at the moment. Like we need to take a step back for a little bit and just, concentrate on you know touring or doing other stuff and so we scheduled another show and i i can't remember what the day was maybe in october or november things calmed down a little bit and um we booked another show and it was for new york city and uh so we get to new york city and we get to the venue and then at the venue i noticed like the people walking by were wearing like those uh masks you know like what people would wear they don't want to get yeah. sick like okay. lots of people yeah, in Japan yeah, yeah. wear them and so I was like what the heck is happening like <clears throat> that's weird so many of them are wearing that and so we go to you know in start loading stuff into the venue and I noticed there's police tape on the building and I'm like what is that about so I went up to the cop and I was like hey uh, why is this police tape here man <laughs> he was like well you heard about like the uh oh man what was that guy called he was like you heard about the um anthrax that was sent to the news building yeah, right uh, yeah and i was like yeah yeah i heard about it and he's like well that's the building right there he just pointed across the street i was like you've got to be kidding me you know like this is like 9-11's crazy yeah, enough you know um and then on top of that, like just to have those two boom, boom in a row, like major events in the same city, like it was just it's crazy. Pretty, yeah. And so, yeah, we just basically ended up, you know, I was like, I've always had issues with um, panic attacks and anxiety disorder and stuff. And uh, I was beat down. I mean, after a while, I was just like, I can't. I can't deal with this anymore. Like it's, it's too much. And to be, to be honest with you, if we were smart, we would have just went on hiatus and said, we're on hiatus for a little bit. Uh, but instead we just ended up ending the band and, you know, Dan started the fold, which did really well. Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. And uh, yeah. And so it just kind of happened like that, you know, it was just, it was crazy. The band just ended because, 9-11 and Anthrax played a big part in ending the band, which is crazy, but it's true. And you, and and you, and you literally just done that 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 album with uh, Trombino as well. Yeah, exactly. It never got to see the light of day. I know that's you know crazy. until I got put out. Yeah. Uh, do, do you feel like looking back? Do you feel frustrated? Because like I feel like that album, in, particularly in two thousand and two, could have could have uh, gone down really well. Um, yeah, it is frustrating. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's with anything, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So of course, yeah. you're kinda you know, what you think it and and, and then again, you know, what, what could have been doesn't lead to where you are at this no, point. No, I know, I know. So you know what I mean? And and where I'm at at this point in my life is is uh just so much happier for me. Like I, I could imagine it being happier than it is. So I feel like Though it's hard, um, it is it is interesting for sure to think of like what could have been with that record. Like you just never know. 
So, but yeah, it's it's cool to think about. Like, it's cool to think. Well, what could have happened? Well, what could we have done? So, so, so you took some time away. Time away after that. That kind of part, yeah. part of your life was 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 the next thing. Next thing that you kind of got into was it was that was that the get go stuff? Oh no, no. I feel like um, you put out a show. There was a like show off. Put out an EP before the get go. I feel like. Sorry, I'm answering your question for you. Yeah, Chris. there was. Yeah, chronologically, I think. Um, man, oh, so right after it, I did a band called The Holiday. Oh yeah, um, I've I, yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. And we put out like, I think we put out a record, although we just kind of made, it wasn't great recording. It's just kind of at a friend's house. But like, yeah, right before that, that's kind of what I did um, was the holiday. And then right after that, I think um, I got into a band called, wasn't that? Yes, it had to have been. Um, so right before that, there was a band called Farewell, My Enemy. And it was on Rise Records. Oh, right. okay. yeah. And we released an album. And um, yeah, so we I did that right afterwards. Um, and then after that, I was like, you know, I have a lot of songs. Because th- there were some songs on that EP that were on that second um, unreleased record. And we re-recorded them. But I was like, you know, I talked to all the band members and I was like, you know, I want to do the show off thing and try to get these songs, you know, some exposure. And uh, they were all fine with it, you know. So I just ended up doing that and, and did that EP and it was with all new members. And I just feel like, you know, I, yeah, I feel like I always love um, the songs very much and i and i really cared about the people that were in that band with me the new people in that band but it wasn't the same so it was it was you know kind of a bit awkward yeah yeah because um, i feel like it must it was quite short-lived right because you you, you came back and put out that ep uh, i think it might have even been titled after that that song that you you clearly like because i think I've, I've heard three different versions of it that waiting for you song which which I don't, which I don't blame you because uh, it's it's definitely one of one of the be- one of the best songs you've done for sure. Um, well, but uh, yeah, because I feel like the get go came fairly quickly after that 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 brief sort of show off that version of show off that happened in yeah. two thousand and six or whenever it was. Yeah. So when Graham left the band, um, we got Kyle, um, who's now in uh, he he's and has been in Alistair for. A- while now but kyle and i um you know he was talking to me i was in tennessee at the time actually i I went back there my dad had terminal cancer and i went back there to try and help take care of him and that situation and i was um you know down there and kind of doing that and then my dad passed and kind of like right after that happened kyle was like hey do you want to do this band um you know we have a lot of tie-ins with japan and a label in japan and i was like oh my god yeah like that's a dream of mine you know <laughs> so we ended up yeah we ended up doing the get-go and we did two albums with the get-go and we did we actually did pretty well in japan just we never ended up releasing it anywhere else not even in the oh, really well i suppose because 
because Carl and um, what's his face Scotty, I guess, would have had the connection with Japan. I know, I know that Scott Murphy's like pretty big in his own right in Japan. So like, uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he did that after um, the Gecko started. Is actually almost during, kind of during okay. it. Actually, okay. yeah. Um, I remember we were like touring there, and uh, while we we're looking at a record, I saw his own solo record. I was like, <laughs> dude, like. <laughs> kind of have to let's concentrate on this at first right right? and uh yeah scotty's a good guy though and and uh he i'm happy they had a lot of success out there he even did a band with uh i know know. that's that's insane um yeah that's amazing that's so cool cool. i've met him a few times and he's always super nice so it's good to see him doing well and um yeah he's a good dude uh yeah and you had you had the fella from mest as well didn't you in the get-go uh what's he called nick nick yeah uh, nick the drummer also a really good person good guy um yeah it was it was an enjoyable time um and uh, being able to go to i mean our first tour was the uk and then we went and did okay. um, japan so we played the uk and japan um more than we ever played the That's us weird. it was really yeah weird. we so we i i assume that the first the first tour was the punchline mxpx one was it the uk one yeah that's right. the one that nick yeah. and i saw you on um we went to the newcastle oh, show cool. of that uh it's really good it was cool i mean i, re- I remember i distinctly remember you playing a song that was from that show off ep that turn out the lights which obviously you've since re-recorded again oh uh, yeah yeah remember that that was cool. yeah 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 we were um so we yeah we played that because uh i was like dude these songs are like not they're not getting the exposure that they could have it'd be really cool if we could do it you know <laughs> And so we uh, we did end up uh, playing that song. I think we actually put it on the record. So is is, is that is that the only time you've been to the UK, um, band wise or personal life wise? That tour. Yeah, yeah, that was the only time I've ever been there. Um, and what I remember most is it was very yeah. cold. <laughs> it was the start <laughs> of the was, year. I remember. <laughs> you guys have this cold. Oh my god! Yeah, you guys have this cold that's like it's not really that cold. But it's like a wet cold, so it just like gets no, into your bones. I know it's really somehow. weird, and I could never get warm. I was like, "Oh my god, I can't get warm." I just, no matter how much clothes I put on, and I remember that. I remember diner shops. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Any of those? Yeah, yeah. There's so many, and then, uh, and that's all there was to eat at. Night. Uh, it's it's <laughs> like, got better. It's got better in that respect like so since many. then, but. Um, yeah yeah oh cool. that, but that certainly would have been the case back in those days yeah and i i remember i had an english breakfast i was like i've got to do that you know which probably even you guys are like yeah we don't eat that <laughs> but uh <laughs> well chris 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 is a vegan yeah, so an english was, breakfast I, is definitely off the cards <laughs> although in this <laughs> yeah <laughs> although in this day and age you. it's very easy to get a vegan version of, of something like that so so oh yeah Oh, particularly living in london which i do so um that's pretty cool uh, london's crazy expensive though. it right? is it is yeah definitely Where, whereabouts are you living these days by the way i live in milwaukee in wisconsin yeah i love it here so much how long have you been there for um you know pretty much when i started doing the get-go in 2006 um rather than move to chicago i moved to milwaukee yeah, so I've lived, I mean, I lived other places. I lived in Seattle for like a year uh, and a half in Tennessee for another year. 
but beyond that, it's been almost all um, Milwaukee. Got it. Okay. So you you run Dodgeball Records from from Milwaukee now. Is that what 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 kind of you got going on there? Is there any any bands that you kind of you really want to big up or that we that we should check out? Yeah, those they're the two well three bands I can think of that I absolutely love and uh, and they are uh, Amuse who I am still friends with and you know we're still. Uh, as far as dodgeball goes, I guess I'm not like doing that label very much anymore. Came to the conclusion that there's literally no money in the record industry. So yeah, well, I I saw your Facebook um, post earlier today, which was kind of related to this, which was which is an interesting topic of conversation in itself. You know, you know when you're talking about like Spotify and et cetera, et cetera, right. and yeah, or, yeah, <laughs> it, it's only got the comments so going below it. I noticed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sitting like trying to study this book. Well, I'm just reading a book, I guess, but I'm studying it because I'm trying to learn it as much as I can. But uh, um, and then having these conversations go on, um, trying to keep up with those and and other things. But yeah, it's an interesting interesting time period, I think, in the music industry at this point. Yeah, but yeah. um, yeah, those bands, Decent Criminal and uh, Amuse. Um, are two bands I think everybody should listen to, and uh, I have no idea how uh, Amuse isn't uh, a much bigger band than they are. And I don't understand how Decent Criminals not the biggest band in the world. I just don't get it. <laughs> I think they're so good. We'll 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 link them both in the show notes when we put this out for sure. Awesome, yeah, they are uh, Decent Criminal. If you're like a fan of a fan of um, the '90s sound, like you can hear the Goldfinger influence there, but it is like musicianship-wise and song-wise to me, I think that like they're better than anybody out there. Like I think they're like just light years better than anybody else. <coughs> and Muse is super fun. So, cool. I'll be sure to check them both out properly. Sorry, I guess, I guess sorry, we haven't Nick, touched yeah. on. Um... Midwest Side Story, yet, actually. So yeah, no, we haven't to, really. Good to kind of hear your thoughts on kind of how that came about. I mean, what 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 was the 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 lineup of of that kind of re- reform show off? Um, how you know how how did that kind of <laughs> yeah? So you know, there were four original members of show off. It was Graham, Dave, me, and Dan, and um, so we were uh, we were thinking, <coughs> excuse me. We did um, some shows with MXPX in Chicago and they sold out. And uh, we were like, man, people actually still give a crap, you know? <laughs> That's so, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is nice. Um, so we decided, you know, let's uh, keep playing some more shows. So we started playing more shows and um, people kept coming to the shows. So we were like, well, you know what? Maybe we should do a new album. I've been working on a lot of songs and. So we just kind of threw the ideas together and, you know, started rehearsing. Uh, Graham has been doing like the family thing and, you know, his own thing. And he wasn't really interested in doing a show off reunion. But um, and uh, Kyle was doing a lot of Alistair stuff at that time, so he couldn't. Um, So we ended up getting George, who is in the fold with Dan and it's Dan's brother. 
So George is playing guitar. And then um, we have uh, Darren Varel, who is in a band called, I don't know if he's still doing it or not, but he's in a band called That Lying Bitch. And it's with Tom uh, Higginson from the Plain YTs. <laughs> yeah. And they do a, they do a band together. Um, that, that lying bitch band. And, uh, yeah, that name, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but it's good songs. And he's a really good guy. Like his intentions, I'm sure are not like to be misogynistic in any way. Um, but, uh, yeah. So Darren, he plays, he plays, um, the other guitar in the band. And then, um, you know, we have, that's kind of the lineup. Dave, the original bass player, plays in the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan is playing in the band. So it's like three of the four original people. That's pretty cool. And um, yeah, we don't play shows very much. And we were offered a show. Um, I think it was like last month or something. But we were offered a show with. Uh, oh, man, who was it? Screeching Weasel. Do you know that band? Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. <laughs> But you were you were unable. I'm to just do old it. and don't care. <laughs> like I didn't yeah, want to play. You know, I was like, ah. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. like plus he, uh, Ben Weasel, was uh, like I was Facebook friends with him for a little bit, and uh, I'm sure I'll get shit for it, but I really don't give a shit. I'm too old to care. Uh, like he's a dick, so <laughs> I don't want to play with him. I don't know him. There was kind of. There's some, wasn't there some accusations against him and stuff that, that yeah, that's you know, yeah, there were, um, don't reflect well. He had like punched a girl or something, and I know she was, that yeah, was it, she was yeah. being like a just a total fucking twat. I know that I have heard it and whatever, but like he full on punched her in the face, I guess, which is, I don't, that's not cool. <laughs> like, that's not cool, man. I don't, I don't know. I mean, he could say what he wants about to defend himself from it, but I think probably in his heart of hearts, he knows that was a shitty thing to do. And defending yourself from it, I think it just makes it worse. So I don't want to be associated with that. And I'm too old to be driving down to Chicago. Like, to, to be frustrated by a show. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah no, that makes, so, that makes sense. But who knows? I, we actually were just talking yesterday and I think we're going to end up doing in July, thir- July 13th on a Saturday. I think we're going to do the, uh, the 20. It's the 20th. Can you believe that? The 20th anniversary of that self-titled album. Wow. Yeah. That makes me feel old. <laughs> That's crazy. It's cool, though. That's cool. That is cool. Yeah. So, so you're going to do, do it. What, so you put put on a show to, to celebrate that, basically. Yeah. We're going to play the whole album, I think, top to bottom. Uh, that'll be ace. That's cool. So it'll be it'll be fun, I think. Yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, I mean, it's cool that you know you guys still technically exist as a band. And Mid- Midwest Story, uh, sorry, Midwest Side Story came out pretty well, I think. Um, you must you must be quite proud of that album, are you? Yeah, you know, it it turned out better than I was even hoping for. I was very excited for it to come out and um, very happy that it did. And that we had the chance to explore it, you know, together as a band again. And it was pretty, that was, it was a very happy moment to see that it come to fruition, you know. I think, 
the songs are probably more pop than what people would even be used to from show off. Yeah. And um, just one thing I wanted to say about it. Like, I thought it was interesting that you, you mentioned earlier on when you first started show off in its first version, like how you kind of wanted to do like a fifties type thing, like mixed with modern music. And like, I think that's like exemplified perfectly in that song, pink slip. Cause that really like has a feel of sort of fifties do what music, but, yeah, yeah, Pop I think that is <laughs> probably the closest. And it works so well. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Oh, my Alexa thinks we're talking to her in the background. Sorry about that. <laughs> of course she does. <laughs> um, is there anything you wanted to add, Nick? With, like, no, no, mate. This up? Really, really appreciate your time coming on. And um, yeah, yeah, enjoy, enjoy that, that show that you've got coming up. I'm sure that'll be. Be a lot of fun. It's a shame. Shame we can't be, be there. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit, bit of a way to come. Thanks, Nick. It was nice to virtually meet you. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're ever in the UK, obviously yeah, hit us up and uh, yeah, we'll be, sure. be sure. happy to show you a good time over here. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I'm sure we will make it over there at some point. That would be ace, man. That would be ace. Um, yeah, well, Chris, like, uh, you know, obviously I, I message you from time to time. So, you know, stay in touch that way. And like, um, you know, I just want to thank you so much for giving us your time. And, uh, you know, you've always been good like that. Like I remember um, last time I mentioned you on the podcast, you kindly sent me some Dodgeball record stuff and and a couple of CD copies of, of the last show-off album. So, you know, things like that are appreciated. Um, so thanks, man. Yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, guys. So that was uh, Chris Messer. Um, yeah. He's a nice guy, isn't he? <laughs> He's lovely. Yeah, really nice fellow. Like, um, yeah, just super interesting to 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 hear the, hear his stories as well. I thought, yes, especially um, as 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 ever clear story. That was quite a <laughs> quite a fun uh, one. Yeah, yeah. I was I was quite pleased he got into that because because as as I said in the interview, like I'd heard him talk about that before, and yeah, I just like that. Well, not just with that, but he didn't really hold anything back with anything, you know. No, like he said, he's he's a, he said he's of an age now where it just you know he doesn't care you know about that you know what what he has to say about that 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 old life I guess really yeah so. for sure but yeah, yeah. Um, if you're in Chicago I know we got a couple of listeners over there um, go check out show off on on the 13th of July at the Beat Kitchen in Chicago uh, it's basically uh, the band's 20th anniversary so they are going to be playing that self-titled album in full. Um, so yeah, if you're around that way, not one to, not one to be missed. Uh, I guess before, before we go, we've got, um, Tim Rogner from Alistair on, uh, the, the next show. So, you know, get in touch if you, if you've got anything you want to, you, you know, you want us to ask him, um, you know, as per usual, go follow us on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, um, for, for all our updates, we've got some, some really big guests lined up we'll not give too much away just yet but um some some exciting stuff stuff around the corner so yeah cheers guys cheers chris cheers nick and we'll see everyone next time <laughs>